This is the Life Truth Network. Quest for our Truth, Episode 445. <laughs> Quest for Truth, presented by Protectorate Productions and HPN, Heltsley Podcast Network. Now located at life-truth.com. And now, here are your hosts, Keith Heltsley and Nathan Caldwell. Hey, welcome everybody. This is your host, Keith, and get ready for another episode of Quest for Truth. Hey, we will be joined in a moment by our wonderful co-host, Nathan Caldwell, who uh, presented me with this idea for the podcast. It is actually a recap of sorts of a recent podcast or throwdown that Andrew Rappaport uh, does. It was just released, uh, as I'm recording this, it's like a few days ago. By the time this gets released, probably last week, <laughs> has to do with the situation with Israel and Hamas. We tend to not jump on timely political topics because uh, that kind of thing comes and goes. But um, the eternal nature of Israel <laughs> and their eternal conflict with their uh, uh, neighbors and such, it, it's always a, a good ongoing uh, uh, item to visit and so that's why we're doing it because uh, their conflict uh, seems to have uh, no end in sight or, or at least uh, it's still a, a ways away before they accomplish their goals and so uh, you'll hear uh, Nathan Kawa leading the show uh, and I'll sprinkle in a comment or two of my own, and then we'll wrap it up. I'll have a few extra comments. Uh, and there could be more said uh, uh, on the topic, but I think we'll, we got a, a, a pretty good representation of uh, what was said in that podcast or throwdown. But it was an hour and a half show or, or more, and we're not going to be quite that long today. So please go back and listen to it. It is worth every moment to hear all the podcasters chip in. And again, we kind of condensed that today. So not not to uh, redo what's been done, but just to kind of highlight and, and add in our own thoughts since we neither of us could be there. I actually knew about it. I actually was planning on it, but the time came and went and I was just kind of busy. <laughs> and I forgot until the next day. And anyway, let's get this going right after a, a few words from the good folks of the Christian Podcast community, which you will hear on the community when you visit ChristianPodcastCommunity.com. You also hear them uh, in our episode today. So take it away, and we'll be right back. 
Andrew Rappaport's Rap Report is a podcast providing biblical interpretations and applications. It is a ministry of striving for eternity and part of the Christian podcast community. We provide a biblical view of cultural events, discuss how to apply God's word to the Christian life, address issues that concern the church, and we even take some time to offer a correct understanding of those commonly misinterpreted passages of scripture. You will hear from great guests like Justin Peters, Todd Friel, Jay Warren Wallace, and Gabe Hughes. Andrew has the Rap Report Daily, which is a two-minute Monday through Friday podcast, and then the longer Rap Report podcast for more content. Subscribe to both today by searching for Rap Report on any podcast app, spelled R-A-P-P, report, or click the podcast link at strivingforeternity.org. I think as parents, we assume that kids are going to just know the right way to do things. You have to train them by teaching them to do it over and over again until they actually get it. This is Yvette Hampton, host of the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. Join us each week for a new episode as we offer encouragement and resources on biblical discipleship from popular speakers and authors, as well as parents just like you and me. Find out more at schoolhouserocked.com or listen anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Main Topic Hi, this is Nathan Caldwell, and I'm here uh, to uh, record uh, some comments for Quest for Truth regarding the last theology throwdown, which was done um, regarding Israel versus Hamas from a biblical Christian perspective. We've got some things to discuss. Let's look at it now. First off, just to let you know, there wasn't a lot of people able to make the throwdown. If I remember correctly, there was only about four. There was Andrew, uh, E. Franklin, Rebecca Bershwinger, and I hope I said that name right. Then you had Garrett Hampton. And then uh, I didn't mention Eve's co-host, Tim Martin, and I hope I got his name right. So, uh, those are the people that we had on the show. Um, You know, I think that's five people, so yay. Um, That's even better. So, anyway, so these are the guys you're going to be hearing, the guys and ladies that you're going to be hearing Um, talk about Israel versus Hamas. I think they all make very good points. And I think that I don't know that I'm going to have anything against what they have to say. Um, But maybe we can throw some of my thoughts in as well. Again, I'm really sorry I couldn't be there. I wish I could have been there. I'm sure Keith wishes he could have been there. I have never yet made one of the throwdowns, and I would like to uh, one day. It's just with with uh, family schedule and, and everybody in the house, it's just hard to do that. Uh, I record in the living room on my laptop, and you can't do that when there's um, a billion people uh, in the living room. <laughs> so, and if any of you have heard any of our shows, you might have heard some of those people, specifically one of those people, True, true. 
uh, our youngest son who is autistic. And when he wants to make sound, he's going to make sound. And you may have heard him in some of the stuff we do. So um, that's a big reason why I haven't been to one of the shows is just the noise level and things. It's just not productive to it. Not to mention if someone's watching TV in the living room, my loud voice is going to override anything they have to say on the television, which sometimes could be a good thing, but not according to the person watching the TV. So anyway, that's that. Uh, before we start, what do I have to say about Israel and Hamas? Um, that's Israel's land, period. Anything God says is yours and will remain yours is yours and will remain yours. Um, I don't know how else to say that. I don't know what else you, you know, if God says something like that, and he did, that's what it is. It's the promised land, and that land is theirs. So to me, label me as a hater if you wish, um, they're fighting to defend themselves, but if they wanted to, to evict... The people from that land, I mean, I'm sure it would be a violent thing, and, and I'm, I don't want anybody getting hurt, but that's their land to evict them from, uh, because I strongly believe that's Israel's land. Now, um, Israel has allowed people to live in that area, um, but now they're getting attacked, and I'm, I say now, this isn't the first time. But it's a major situation, and they're now defending themselves. And you're going to hear some great stuff from the guys and some great points to be made. But it's pretty bad when you have to defend yourself from people who are on your land. Let's get to the... Comments from the good guys over here, the guys who actually speak better than me. That let's get into our topic, I, and I should say for full disclosure uh, with this topic, since this comes up, uh, people have accused me of support for Israel because I'm a dispensationalist. I do not support Israel because I'm a dispensationalist. I support Israel because I'm an Israeli. I'm an Israelite. I am from the tribe of Levi. <laughs> That is why I support Israel. So it doesn't have to do with my theological position. It has to do with, well, I was raised Jewish. <laughs> and that's perfectly fine, Andrew. That's perfectly fine. However, the reason I support Israel is from a theological um, perspective in the sense that God said, excuse me, that God said, I will bless them that bless and curse them that curse. Um, yeah, you don't mess with Israel. And, and if you don't believe me, look at the people who have tried to go against Israel and look at the utter defeat that they ended up in. 
So there's a, there's a lot of discussion going on, folks, and, and I'm going to open this first question up to anyone who wants to, to start, but there's been a lot that we have seen dealing with Israel. Of, initially, after October 7th, there was a lot of support for Israel, even from liberals. I was surprised by that. I didn't think it was going to last long, and it didn't. It only took about a week, and, and week by week, we're seeing more and more pressure against Israel, more and more anti-Semitism, more and more uh, attacks saying that Israel is in the wrong, they're oppressors, they're, you know, colonialists, they're, this is an apartheid, all these type of things. So my first question kind of an open-ended question is what should a Christian think about this situation? How, how should we view the situation there? Just in a general sense, even if you want to give high level views uh, without giving the specifics, but how as Christians should we address when we have something like this uh, happening in, in our culture? Well, our, our first reaction should be to see what God's word says about it and what God feels about it himself. Um, it's great to look at history, and I think history actually stands uh, in defense of Israel here. But aside from history, as Christians, we should be biblically minded and have a mind of God. And so our first concern should be to seek out what he says in his word about the situation. And it's very clear. He speaks clearly to the situation. And the brother is absolutely right. Brother Garrett is absolutely right. Because um, if you search the scripture, you will see very clearly, as I have already mentioned, what God said about Israel, what God said about their land, what God said about, I, again, I will bless those that bless Israel. I will curse those that curse them. Um, guys, come on. It's clear. Okay. Israel and Hamas. Some observations before we get going with the remarks on the recent uh, throwdown. Uh, at first... I just, when I heard about it, thought it was just another issue of border skirmishes or whether it always happens all the time. But it, it didn't take long. In fact, it was pretty immediate that I started hearing some horrifying stories, a lot of horrifying images of people uh, being slaughtered in their home. And my first reaction, before I heard it from anyone else, being the military type that I am, is this war crimes to... Uh, do that to civilians. That is an act of terror uh, to do that in the way that it was done. And I heard questions in the media about Israel has the right to protect itself or defend itself. And I thought, well, it's kind of late for defending. The attack has been accomplished. Uh, but they do have the right to uh, extract justice for that. I mean, it's defense is the wrong word because defense means that they were ready to fend off such an attack. And it doesn't seem to be the way of it. Uh, and there's some questions about uh, the leadership of the government. Uh, I think in the throwdown, Andrew addresses a little bit. 
you know, Garrett gave us the Sunday school answer, the Bible, right? <laughs> that, that's that's answer number two. It's Jesus and then the Bible. So, <laughs> but it's, but I, what we I, need I, to understand is, as a church currently, that uh-huh. Sunday school answer is just broadly ignored so many times. <laughs> yes. um, Christians, quote unquote, don't think biblically in many many cases, and so it's worth repeating that Sunday school answer. Indeed, it is. <laughs> I'm sorry, this microphone kind of feedbacks occasionally. Um, no, no, it absolutely is. Um, the, you know, it's it's a, it's funny to say, it's funny to hear, but it's absolutely true. And, and it is really sad that uh, people aren't listening. Even people who claim to be Christian aren't listening to Scripture. I don't get it. But it's very true. Then Brother Tim comes along and he's got something to say too. Yeah, I just want to, I think that Christians, like everyone in the world right now, should be looking at uh, the acts of pure evil uh, executed by the the Hamas soldiers at, on October 7th and uh, should recognize it for what it is. It, 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 evil at the, the very basest form. Um, and when you compare what they did to the founding charters and uh, the history of Hamas, nobody should really be surprised. We see a great deal of sin in the world. And, and this is just, uh, you know, the, the vinegar and baking soda volcano flowing over of, uh, of the, the cooking pot that is, uh, Gaza and, and West Bank and and uh, the Heights, Golan Heights. So uh, I think we should be we should be looking at the acts as the evil that they are, but constantly remembering that uh, there are innocents. You know that nobody is really innocent, but there are people who are not militant. There are people who are not uh, antagonists who are caught in the middle, and we should be praying for them on both sides of uh, both sides, both believers and non-believers. Again, these are great points that I'm listing, and I do not have any arguments against them because I agree with them. E. Franklin uh, then. A little bit later, um, gives us something to think about. I've just been sitting back and sort of educating myself on this. I, I've been raised to believe one way very strongly, but uh, you know that you have to support Israel as a Christian no matter what. And I've kind of been moderating that position somewhat because I think as Christians we should be more concerned for the souls that are lost than the, than the blood that is spilled and. Uh, and who's shedding the blood because it all in all, there are the vast majority of people on both sides are unsaved and we should be concerned about the souls Mm -hmm. uh, more than anything. Then Andrew mentions justice. And I'm not talking about that fake stuff they advertise. I'm talking about the real deal. I would say, yeah, we start with scripture. Uh, but more specifically, the area of justice. And I can turn to the many, many, many scriptures that talk about justice. And what I'm going to do is look at this situation. The question I'm going to ask is, 
is one side just and is another side unjust or are they both unjust they obviously both both can't be just <laughs> right so i'm looking for justice here what is the right thing because i know that that's where god is going to be behind however let me also say i just recorded um <clears throat> an episode on this same topic on my rap report podcast with uh, Dr. Michael Brown, another Jewish believer. And so we, we discuss the situation. We give a lot of the history and it's always bad to give the end of the story, but I will do that here. So that doesn't mean you shouldn't go listen to the rest of the podcast because you don't want to miss all the great content. But I concluded with having the view that I think we do have to have as believers sort of where Eve was going is the fact that many of the people both in Israel and Gaza are not believers. And so the question is, is it God's will for there to be war in Israel right now? Yes, that's God's will. Wait, what? Andrew, how do you know that? Because it's happening. <laughs> that's how I know, because God's sovereign and it's happening. So, yeah, God is allowing this to happen. So as Christians, we now have to ask the question, why? And I do think that that's a valid point. And I do think. That is an important question. Why is God allowing this? However, I do think we need to remind ourselves that just because God allows it does not mean he always condones it. So God allows for uh, Hamas to come in there and attack and for Israel to retaliate. But it doesn't mean he approves of Israel being attacked. He allows it. But again, <laughs> if you attack Israel, you're asking for trouble from the highest level. Why is he? And and I put this argument forth and this is something i'm praying toward i hope that you as a listener will pray toward this as well but my prayer is not that some human being will work out a peace deal to resolve the issue between israel and the palestinians and or maybe more specific those in gaza i'll explain maybe later in the show why i don't use the term palestinian the way it's used but today but um what we see is, can you picture what would happen if the gospel went forth in Israel and Gaza and Jewish people start getting saved in Israel and Muslim people start getting saved in Gaza and they start coming together and working together? Could you picture what the rest of the world would be doing if all of a sudden it's because of the gospel of Jesus Christ that there's peace in Israel? I think if anything like that happened, that we might be pretty close to the end times. Uh, not that we aren't close now. Um, but um, I tell you, another observation I have about that is if that happened, the media would have a problem. <laughs> because there would be big news in the peace in the Middle East. 
but they wouldn't like the cause. Instead of people thinking there's going to be a world war, why don't we pray that the gospel goes forth and that there be a revival there? That's my thoughts. I think that that would be an amazing prayer. It would be an amazing prayer. Now, what God does with it, I can't tell you, but I see nothing wrong with us praying that. And if we have, if we have a, a, a way to spread the gospel or influence the spread of the gospel in that area, especially during this time, that is definitely something to consider worthy. So, Garrett, I'm going to throw this back to you now with Tim's question, which was going to be the thing I was going to throw at you anyway since you, you mentioned it. I mean, it's like you, you just said, hey, here I am. I'm going to open this up so I get to be the guy giving all the scripture. <laughs> so go for it. Give your biblical well, argument. Yeah, I'm going to start. I'm going to start with a list real quick of uh, scriptures that I think are really applicable. Um, the first should be, I think, a quick look at Ishmael and uh, and who he was and who he would be in Genesis 16. And then Genesis 17, 26, and 28, we look at God's promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and his everlasting covenant that he establishes, which includes the land. Um, and so, I mean, just from a historical situation, we understand that that land is a part of a covenant and uh, the people are a part of a covenant. And they also have an, an enemy that goes back for thousands of years and who, who were promised in the word will be a persistent enemy to them. Um, we also need to look, I think at Ezekiel 37, 38 and 39 um, at some of the prophecies about some of the conflicts that would come to this area and then I think it's also too important to look at what's to come. And Jesus talks about this, um, what's coming in the end times to this area in Matthew 24. And that that account is repeated in the other Gospels. And then Israel's also um, referenced all through Revelation. Um, so, so definitely we've got some scripture to look at. Um, if you want me to kick it off, um, I'd love to kick it off with Genesis 17. I think this is a good place to start before we get to um, whether or not the gospel will go forth in this. Um, Cause I do think that this um, conflict is a great opportunity for the gospel. I do think we need to look at the historical perspective first. And uh, so I'd love to start with Genesis 17, seven and God says here, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give you and your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And this comes just after God says um, that he will multiply them and make them a great nation and uh, the father of a multi multitude of nations, and uh, that he's going to make him fruitful and bless him. And also we understand through that, that we would be blessed if we bless that people 
and we would be cursed if we cursed that people. Now, I realize that was a long clip, but there's a couple things we need to take from it. First of all, we've already mentioned God will bless those that bless Israel. Those He will curse those that curse Israel. We also see in here that the land of Canaan is given as a possession. But now, also, we need to look at the length of the covenant. It is an everlasting covenant. It lasts forever. There's no end to the deed that God deeded Israel this land. It is theirs forever. For as long as that land exists, it is theirs. And there's a question that you knew was going to come up, and it did in the show. Um, the question, did the church replace Israel in that covenant? Garrett has an amazing answer to that. God was the unilateral establisher of the covenant, and it's up to him to determine when it's fulfilled and whether or not it continues. And he does say it would be an everlasting covenant with Abraham and his offspring. So then the only argument could be, well, are we his replacement offspring in the church? Um, but the beauty of God's word is it doesn't start with Gen Genesis. It goes all the way through Revelation. And in Revelation, one, one of the things that's really, really interesting is that the people of Israel and the land of Israel pursue throughout Scripture. And in Revelation, what God does is really neat, is that in certain cases, he separates Israel, even the 12 tribes, from the church. And so we understand that even if there's a separate covenant or a new covenant, which we know there's a new covenant with the church, we also understand that some parts at least of this covenant with Israel persist all the way through to the end times. And one of the, one of the lovely pictures I want to bring out is that when God establishes his throne to reign for the millennia, right? He doesn't do it in the new Lancaster, California, or the new New Jersey. He does it in the new Jerusalem. And we see that God very clearly has a heart for the land and a heart for the people all the way through his reign for eternity. And then the question arises is, what about prophecies or some of the stuff, the fulfillment of prophecies? I mean, like Israel, excuse me, excuse, sorry, like Israel becoming a nation, is that a fulfillment of prophecy? Well, let's listen to the answers. I had someone who had asked me point blank and said, do you think that the the state of Israel in 1948 and what's happening in Israel today, do you believe that that is a fulfillment of prophecy? And I said, no, I don't, I mean, because I don't know, right? G give me 2000 years or maybe, maybe I'll know then, right? Uh, if I, after it's happens, I would know. But the reality is that I, I said, I can't say it's the fulfillment of prophecy yet, but I can tell you it's God's will. And he was like, well, how can you say that? I said, 
because they're there <laughs> because there's a state of Israel. And he was like, okay, I can agree with that. So, you know, yeah. Can I, can I read just a short piece of scripture here? Um, no, you can't do that on a Christian program. Yeah. <laughs> e- Ezekiel thirty nine twenty seven. When I've brought them back from the peoples and gathered them from their enemies lands and through them have vindicated my holiness in the sight of many nations, then they shall know that I am the Lord, their God, because I sent them into exile among the nations and then assembled them into their own land. I will leave none of them remaining among the nations anymore, and I will not hide my face anymore from them when I pour out my spirit upon the house of Israel, declares the Lord God. And I think that's actually a prophecy that has only been partially fulfilled, but I do think their restoration as a land was included in that prophecy. But it's it says this, um, one, I will leave none of them remaining in the nations anymore. Well, clearly that's not the case. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it says then, um, uh, well, let me go back to, then they shall know that I am the Lord their God because I sent them into exile and then assembled them into their own land. And I think what's clear here is that even the re- restor- restoration of that nation um, points to God's power and glory and is a testimony to the nations, but it's also meant to be a testimony to the Jewish people who haven't yet accepted that. Uh, I don't, I don't know anything about the government in Israel. Uh, I, I would probably agree with Mark Shadu. I'd probably disagree with Mark Shadu. It's a secular government. It is not the government uh, of Israel. Uh, as it was during Bible times, where it was led by uh, Pharisees and Sadducees and Sanhedrin. It is not that government. Um, but they do, as a sovereign government, they do have the right to extract justice from the terrorists who are still there. And what would that justice look like? How long would it take? Well, it's going to take a long time. The, and... and um, The question I have heard, too, is, well, Hamas is just reacting to all the injustices done to them by Israel. And again, I would say I don't track with all the happenings there. I'm sure that uh, Israel and some combat has done uh, horrible things to them. In fact, right now, as of the time of recording this, I believe the the body count... uh, there was the initial 14 or 1500 Israelis that were slaughtered, and now there's as many as 10,000 combined. Uh, and some people would say, that, Well, this is why we want peace talks. You need to stand down, you need to have a pause, because you've already extracted more uh, death than was done to you to begin with. And I, uh, I get that, but you have to understand that justice has not been served and will not be served until the terrorists have been removed. Bring up another question about genocide. Uh, and a lot of people, our college campuses and certain politicians are, are have an outcry against genocide. Um, a terrorist group is not a ethnic group. And what Israel is calling for is the eradication of that political terrorist faction. 
they're not eradicating the Palestinian people. And in fact, by, by saying Palestinian, uh, labeling those people, uh, as Andrew will point out at some point uh, in the throwdown, they need to be careful with that label. <laughs> but he explains very well uh, who the Palestinian people actually are. And then, uh, but they're not trying to get rid of the people. They're trying to get rid of a terrorist group. And it's not genocide if you're trying to get rid of that organization. Uh, and there's, of course, the question of whose land is it anyway? Uh, who was there first? Well, biblically, um, there were people there before the Jews uh, went in but and displaced them. But they displaced them because God had made a promise that that was their land. It would be for them uh, for eternity. And eternity is not over with yet. And it's unfortunate that even back in biblical times, the Israeli people never fully drove out those who were in the land. And those who, who they militarily conquered... Uh, who remained in the land, they still were ruled responsible, even though they had uh, disarmed them. Try, I can't think of the, the the trial off the top of my head, but early on, Joshua was fooled by people claiming to come from far away, and they really weren't. Well, they disarmed them, and then later they were being attacked by others uh, in the land, and they required that Israel protect them. And I guess to say all that is back then there were people in the land who were Israeli and Israel protected them. And even today there are people in their land. Uh, I believe that in Israel, 20% of the population is not Israeli. They're Palestinians or other uh, Arab nationalities. And they're part of the citizens that are there. And Israel is obligated to protect them with their defense force, and they do. Uh, the problem is that certain areas, like in Gaza, and I believe even uh, the other area, uh, <laughs> West Bank, there we go, I thought of it, they have their own government. And it, 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 certainly Gaza is governed by a terrorist group. And all Israel is saying is, look, we've had enough. We're going to get rid of terrorists, and you and all you uh, happy uh, Arabian Palestinians, uh, you'll you'll be under their thumb. Uh, and the reason why the the casualty is so high is because again, Hamas is guilty of war crimes. They not only killed uh, non-participant, non-combatant citizens, they're hiding behind the civilians of the shield, and it's a war crime. Uh, and the sooner that either the people rise up against Hamas and throw their heads over the fence, as happened before in a biblical account, I can't remember which one it was, uh, they need to turn them over. And if they can't because of the military force, then they need to step aside while uh, Israel comes in to uh, dismantle that. Uh, so that's my thoughts on that. I want to do a, I'm going to, I'm going to give you guys a quiz. 
So you guys can unmute. Let's see who's who's quick to to get some of these these answers. Ready? And we're going to answer some some of the 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 what I call myths that we're hearing in the media. Media myths. That's a good term for it. There we go. We're going to address the media myths. All right, ready for the win. <laughs> see whose podcast gets the gold star. <laughs> All right, so. Uh, when did Israel, this is, we'll start off easy. When did Israel become a nation again? 1948. 1948. Okay. One for one for one little candle. All right. <laughs> so, uh, what, and we've, I think we've already addressed this, but what country was the land owned by or controlled by before 1948? Britain. 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 Yeah. Britain. Okay. So when was the state of Palestine created? Never. All right. Are you just watching for gold star? That name as an insult uh, in reference to the, the uh, Philistines, uh, Philistines. Right. But it wasn't ever a nation and they're not the rightful owners of the land. Okay, so now let me ask you this, and this one may be the, the tougher one. Before 1948, what were the Jewish people referred to that lived in the area that we now call Israel? No idea. The answer is Palestinians. Palest- I was going to say that. I should have. <laughs> They were known as Palestinians. <laughs> so when we talk, it's a wild guess, but I, I can guess. <laughs> yeah, that that was actually because they were the people forget that there were Jewish people living in that region long before 1948. In fact, in 1914, the Jewish people that lived in the area were petitioning the UK to create a state of Israel for the people, for the Israelis. Um, the reality is that they, they were, those talks started, and what happened? Many of the Arab countries started sending in Arabs to the land that became known as Arab Palestinians versus Jewish Palestinians, and they both were in the land. And there has been throughout, I mean, look, that area was under, you know, Roman control, you know, Jewish control, Muslim control. It's shifted hands, but it was lastly in the control of the United Kingdom. With that, we end up seeing that there were Jewish people living there. And in fact, it was because the Jewish people start talking about creating a Jewish state that we had so many Arabs moving in. So now, with that, um, can we say that someone was displaced in the wars? Yeah. There's always people displaced by war. That's exactly right. In every war. And so some of those people are displaced because they left on their own. Some are displaced because they're, they have no choice. Uh, so let me ask this. <clears throat> Where do, so we have this, we have the case Hamas is in 
Gaza <clears throat> telling people to stay in their buildings when Israel's dropping pamphlets and calling people to say leave because we're going to bomb this building. What, what what nation does that, by the way, warns people before they, they're going to bomb a place? And the Hamas leadership is telling people to stay. So here's a question for you. Another bonus question. Where does the Hamas leadership live? Underground. Iran and Syria. Qatar. Qatar is yeah. the right answer. Offices in Qatar and, yeah. and Lebanon. Yeah. They don't live in Gaza. So they don't have to live with the consequences of the decisions they're making. Right. So when we look at all of this, we see that Hamas is preventing people from leaving. Hamas is the one that gets all the, the financial aid around the world. So if there is, and I should mention this, I ask this, uh, who actually, uh, what, what control does Israel have over Gaza? Anyone know? Since they pulled out in 2005, I think it was, mm -hmm. yeah. they ceded all control. Correct. And then in 2007, Hamas took essentially a coup of the democratically elected uh, representatives and have forbidden elections ever since. So so right there. And, and what, what I'm doing with, with this listener for the listeners is addressing the media myths because because as we we're walking through this you're seeing everything we're being told about this land isn't true everything that when you're at the water cooler at work or you're at school you're in a college and people are talking about free palestine which palestine the jewish palestine that was there or the arab palestine that came later or, or, or those that were displaced because of war, because there were, you know, people don't know this or don't think about this. Well, we'll continue with our quiz. Were there Jewish people living in the land of Gaza before 2005? Yes. Mm -hmm. And were they forcibly removed by the Israeli government? Yes. Yes. So there was a displacement of Jewish people, too. They didn't want to leave Gaza. So who is it that runs Gaza? Hamas. Hamas. So if there is oppression, who is it that is oppressing those living in Gaza? Oh, Hamas. Hamas. You, you see, when we break this down, and this is why we're, I'm doing this, is because I, my thing, I've been on multiple podcasts, and this is what I'm doing with folks, is just breaking down the media myths. Just breaking this down to say everything we're being told about Gaza and Israel is make-believe. When we look at the actual facts, we realize Hamas is the one in control. Hamas is the one that is, is preventing them from leaving. Oh, wait, not completely. Okay, what countries does Gaza border? Egypt and Israel. Egypt and Israel. Which border was those that live in Gaza, which border prior to October 7th, which border were they allowed to freely, for the most part, come and go? Egypt, Israel. wasn't it? Nope. Oh, Israel. 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 <laughs> so Egypt, which, which would be... Yeah. See, that's unfair. 
are you just watching as two hosts here? <laughs> they, get, they got two people getting. <laughs> so what you have is Egypt doesn't open their gates. In fact, when after October 7th, they prevented anyone from coming through. Uh, and, and what did Christians think about this situation? Uh, well, I, I was listening to a podcast about a week after, maybe two weeks after, the first announcements of all these atrocities by the Southern Baptist Convention. And they were calling for, as Southern Baptists, we need to get in there and provide aid to the people in Gaza. And I thought, uh, no. I mean, we should. We should be very uh, heartfelt concerned, which I, I do. But but should there be aid given to them at this point? At this point, I would say no. Uh, as unfortunate as that sounds, and maybe as harsh as that sounds, because they are part of what's known as siege warfare. They're cut off. They're cut off for a reason, because why would you supply your enemy? I think somebody in the, in the throwdown put it, and, and others I've heard on other podcasts have stated, why would you do that? In World War II, we didn't supply uh, gas and food and water to the Nazis. We Our goal was to defeat them. And if anything, you cut off those supplies. And that's part of this type of warfare. Now, if those people want to flee, oh my, yeah, sure. Let them flee across the border. They have a whole border there against <laughs> Egypt. Let them go there and escape there. Easier said than done because Egypt doesn't want them. Egypt doesn't want to have uh, any of those refugees. So what do they do? Go across the Israeli border? Well, as, as long as they did, they would need to be detained uh, as prisoners of war, essentially. But yeah, we should be concerned. We should be concerned about their welfare. But at, at this stage of the game in their warfare, should we supply humanitarian aid? No, not right now. And he, again, says it's pretty cold. But uh, they elected that government. And I'm sure uh, if you was asked those uh, Palestinian Arabs that are there in Gaza how they feel about uh, Isra Israelis, they probably wouldn't have much nice to say about it. So why would you want to have somebody bite the hand that's trying to feed them? <laughs> uh, this is a thought. It's my only thoughts on that. Uh, so we should pray. As Christians, we should definitely be can move on, and that uh, those who survive uh, hear the gospel. I think somewhere along the way there, people pointed out that the gospel message is what people need to hear there. The gospel message, I mean, that would be so awesome to have it be preached and bring about world peace starting in Israel. I, I don't think biblically that's what happens, <laughs> because even though Israel... Uh, it survives clean through to times in Revelation. Uh, it, it it doesn't ever say that it's going to be the center of world peace. Uh, it will be the center of whatever happens in end times. Um, I'll go as far as acknowledge that. But anyway, uh, 
uh, I do, did want to include this uh, short quiz that Andrew had put into the show because actually it, it contains a lot of info that breaks the myths that the uh, modern media um, isn't telling people. And it's stuff, honestly, I think out of all the questions, I only could answer one. <laughs> uh, but it's questions that we all should be aware of. Uh, it would help resolve a lot of these matters about who's right, who did what to who, when, uh, and who was just in their actions or not just in their actions. At this point, um, Israel is doing the just, justifiable thing and until they remove Hamas. Hamas needs to be utterly taken out. Once they do that, they can set up a temporary government the last indefinitely. They can do whatever, uh, but until then, they, they, they can't stop until they entirely get Hamas out of there. It probably won't end it because, uh, as I recall, Hamas doesn't have their leadership there. They have, they have commanders, they have troops, but their uh, leadership is actually in uh, other Arab countries. Well, those are my thoughts on that. Are you just watching? Do you enjoy watching movies? The special effects, the interesting characters, the great stories. There's a lot to enjoy that comes out of Hollywood. But sometimes it's best to approach secular media with a healthy dose of critical thinking. Join me, E. Franklin. And Tim Martin. As we discuss our favorite movies. And share critical thinking for the entertained Christian. So visit areyoujustwatching.com to subscribe. And don't just watch. Commands of Christ, presented by Nathan Caldwell. Let your light shine. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. I, I, I line that up with, by the way, uh, being salt and light. We, we so many people, uh, I'm, I'm a Christian, but don't tell nobody. You know, that, that's not being a Christian. You know, uh, you're supposed to change. Something around you is supposed to change. Light brightens up the darkness. Salt seasons anything it touches. In our own way that God has given us, change the world somehow. There's another point to that, I think, and that is for salt and light. There's another aspect to it that I, I when I'm preaching, you know, on this topic, will point to, and that's this, is, is light. If you are in a dark cave for a very long time, and you walk out in the light, it's going to hurt. If, yeah. if you cut yourself and the only thing you have to disinfect the wound is salt, it's going to hurt. Sometimes, although we don't do it to it, we don't intentionally, we don't do what we do to intentionally hurt somebody, sometimes people's feelings are going to get hurt when we preach and teach the truth. That was... Commands of Christ, presented by Nathan Collin. Quest for Truth, now located at life-truth.com.
Can you answer the following questions for your children or for the person to whom you are witnessing? Number one, is the New Testament reliable? Two, can you explain the Trinity to me? Three, how is Jesus both God and man? And a slew of other questions you will be able to answer if you get Andrew Rappaport's new book, What Do We Believe? It will help you a ton. Get your copy at whatdowebelievebook.com, whatdowebelievebook.com. All right. Well, there we go uh, with our own uh, personal thoughts added in to this edition of Quest for Truth. Uh, Sorry we couldn't quite make that episode. It sounded like a really uh, excellent topic. I don't know that uh, any of my thoughts would have uh, uh, conflicted or assisted. Uh, but at least I had a chance, Nathan and I, to uh, toss in our two cents right there. But anyway, that's all we got. So thanks for listening, everybody. Tell a friend about that. That really is how we grow our audience the most. Hey, turn them on to our podcast, to all the other ones uh, you'll hear there on Christian Podcast Community. And uh, if you're out there on the website... Uh, which, of course, you'll hear all about some calls to action in a moment. Hey, leave us a comment. Leave us a email. Uh, tell us what you want to hear, uh, any topics you want us to talk about or uh, things like that. Uh, follow us on, on the interwebs. Leave us a voicemail. Uh, all those interesting things can be done, and you'll find out about that when our voice of the podcast, Anthony Russo, comes out to tell you all about it and once again thanks for listening visit life-truth.com where you can find all our shows leave a message or call our voicemail number at 401-753-4844 find us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash life truth page follow us on twitter at capital h capital p capital n capital c A-S-T. Everything Nathan Caldwell does can be found at facebook.com forward slash protectors of the book. Music in the show is used by permission of Kevin Zerby at zerbinator.wordpress.com. May the word of Christ dwell on you richly. May you find everything you need. And if you don't know Jesus, your greatest need is a savior. Thanks for listening.